Welcome to Women of Marvel. I'm J.D. Stevens. I'm Ellie Pyle. And I'm Angelique Rocher. Okay, ladies, when you think of Hellcat, what comes to mind? Claws. A sassy sense of humor. Power. Kicking some serious butt. Those are all totally right. But what about romance? Uh, I mean, yeah, girl has definitely had her share of tragic relationships. Oh, she really has. Wow. But did you know that before Hellcat was Hellcat, she was simply Patricia Walker, Patsy, who appeared in the rom-com style comics for teens and young girls as early as the 1940s. Before Marvel was Marvel. Yeah. So like way, way, way back, like timely comics, the predecessor to Atlas and eventually the Marvel we now know and love had a number of different genres of comics. And back then there are so many from horror to mystery and westerns and one of the most popular genre of comics not just at Marvel but at the time was romance including stories that appeared in Miss America magazine in 1944. Patsy has a long and complicated history. She wasn't always a superhero. That's totally right. So to learn more about Patsy Walker, I spoke with Trina Robbins, a true legend in comics. And over the weekend, I read her memoir, Last Girl Standing. All right. You told us that this memoir is pretty interesting. Spicy. It's a little spicy. I mean. You know what? You're right. Spicy is it. Yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, she talks about dating Jim Morrison. Like, wow. Wow. Yes. I mean, her life has really been an an incredible, magical ride, and she's still going. Like, in her 80s, it's pretty amazing. I mean, before she really even got into the underground comic scene, you know, she had spent time in um, both the East Village and then Los Angeles in the 1960s into the 1970s before she moved to San Francisco. Um, At one point, she owned a clothing store on East 4th Street in the village, and she was making outfits for a lot of incredibly famous folk and rock bands. At one point, she toured with the Rolling Stones as like an assistant photographer. Like, um, I know, right? Like, uh, don't we all? I want to do this. Yeah. We've talked to her at length many a times on this podcast, and every time we talk to her, it's just amazing. Also, she's a huge fan of Patsy Walker and the romance comics. She grew up reading these comics, uh, and she's just come back to Marvel and is currently writing a Marvel Infinity comic for us. Uh, I can't wait to hear this interview, Judy. It sounds amazing. Well, let's dive in with Trina Robbins. Hi, Trina. Hi, Judy. Trina, it's so nice to have you here. So let's start from the beginning. When did you start reading comics? I have been reading comics all my life. Well, I guess I had to learn to read before I could read comics, but after that I was reading comics. And my mother was a school teacher, second grade school teacher, and she taught me to read when I was four. So I really, I really have been reading comics a long time. In the beginning, she would bring me comics, bring comics home to me. But basically, as soon as I was old enough to cross two streets, I was buying my own comics because it took two streets to get to Itsky's Candy Store, run by Mr. Itzkowitz, who was grouchy. I would go through the spinner rack that said, hey, kids, comics, and he would say, make up your mind. This isn't a library. Um, And I always did make up my mind. And I 
always, as soon as I was able to choose, I bought the comics that had girls or women on the cover. And not girls being rescued. No, girls in control, girls who had their own book. The comics were named after them, you know? And I loved the teen comics that were published by, um, at the time they were called Timely, the publishers, and then they became Atlas, and eventually they became Marvel Comics. And I loved those. They had Latin titles uh, just really aimed at girls. Um, Millie the Model, of course, Patsy Walker, which was my dream. My childhood dream was to be a teenager like Patsy Walker. And then comics about other teenage girls, too. And they all had the girls' names, like Cindy and Lana and Hetty. So many comics about women and girls. What was it? about Patsy Walker that you loved so much? Why did you want to be her? Well, she was a typical teenager. And little girls always want to be teenagers. You know, we it's like one age up. We thought the teenagers were the most wonderful things in the world. In fact, as far as I was concerned, once you hit 30, you were over the hill. You know, you could call her a female Archie, but she wasn't really, except that they were both redheads. And that's, I think, because red looked so good on the comics page, that bright orange. It was like the classic triangle situation where she was the the middle class teenager and Hetty Wolf, who was her nemesis, was the, the spoiled rich girl. And they both would fight over Buzz Baxter. who He was a nice guy, but he was so clueless. Patsy had a best friend, and that was Nancy. Um... Poor Nancy didn't really get to do that much. She just basically got to be her best, Patsy's best friend. I gave her a role in the comic that I just finished writing. I gave her more of a role. I'd love to sort of talk a little bit about sort of Patsy's origin story. You know, she's a, a teenager growing up. Uh, her mother is a comic book writer? No, that was added later. And I hate that. And I have, will have nothing to do with that. That was all invented later when they decided, well, girls don't read comics and we have this character. Why don't we make her a superhero? Then the boys will read her. The hell with that. I sneer at that. They they do things like they go rowing or they go apple picking or whatever in the world. They go to the movies. Something always, of course, goes wrong and has to be solved because, you know, you can't have a story without a problem. Do you have a favorite story or comic? I know there's a lot to choose from. Oh, there is one from the 50s that is just, you have to read it really. You know, you have to be there as it were. But it's just, it's just so funny. I, I've never learned who, who wrote it. But basically her high school, well, they're giving what, you know, what we call a Sadie Hawkins Day dance, which is where the girls... Ask the boys. Of course, both Patsy and Hetty want to ask Buzz, but Patsy doesn't want Hetty to know she's going to ask Buzz, and Hetty doesn't want Patsy to know she's going to ask Buzz. So there's just this wonderful confusion, you know, between the the invitations and the not wanting the other one to know. That is just really, really cute and really cutely drawn. It sounds so like an easy read. It's an absolute easy read. It's not confusing in the least. I mean, all of the Patsy Walker comics, all of the teen comics are easy reads. 
they're lightweight and they're fun. They're just fun. And of course, you know, there's cute clothes. Also, the comics evolved over time, right? And fashion evolved over time, right? Starting in 1941, the fashion was very different coming into the 1950s. Yeah, so really, you know, you could, someone, someone, maybe me, I don't know, someone could do a book about fashion, about girls' fashion and from the 40s through the 60s just by illustrating it with pictures from comic books. That just shows how much, like, comics reflect on the pop culture, the moment in time, the politics that we live, right? That you as a young girl wanted to read a comic that matched sort of what you were living. Yes, and I also, of course, was totally into clothes. I mean, I've always been into clothes. And when I was at the same age that I was reading those Patsy Walker comics, I was drawing my own paper dolls with constantly newly designed clothes for them. I know that you continue to read comics. Did you continue to read Patsy? When I hit high school, my mother talked me into giving away my comic collection and stopping comics. She said, you're a teenager now. You're not a kid and comics are for kids. And I believed her. I mean, you know, I was a good daughter. So I gave away a collection that probably is worth, was worth, if I had kept it, thousands of dollars. In the 60s, I was reading underground comics. And in addition to writing about history, you also wrote a memoir. Yes, I wrote a memoir. It's called Last Girl Standing. And you can get it on Amazon and maybe even in some comic book stores. I mean, what is it like for you to write such different things, right? You know, you started out sort of writing and drawing comics, and then you've done history, and you've done your own memoir, and now you're writing comics for Marvel. I mean, what has it been like as your writing has evolved over the years? Well, it's kind of funny because writing for writing Patsy Walker is almost like my writing has devolved. You know, I've gone back to writing stuff that I would have liked to have read when I was 10 years old. To write the girl that I had loved so much as a little girl, to write Patsy Walker was just a dream come true. Okay, so let's talk about the comic that you just finished for Marvel. I mean, you've written for Marvel before over the years. Very little. Well, yeah. Well, you did the Barbie comics. Yes, I did. I was one of the writers for Barbie. Yes. You started underground and now you've come full circle back to mainstream. Who was your editor? Who reached out to you? What was the process of them asking you to write a Patsy Walker comic? Alana Smith? Yeah, Alana, yes. Yeah, Alana. She's wonderful. God, I love you, Alana. I want you to know that. Um, I do. Well, she knew that I was dying to write something for Marvel and that I was dying to write one of the retro heroines. And she came up with Patsy Walker. And you were like, yes, sign me up. Oh, yeah, totally. Yes, absolutely. And obviously, the Infinity Comics are a unique type of comic because they're all for digital. What was the process of you deciding to write the story that you wrote for that? Well, she sent me a couple of examples of those kind of comics. Um, So, I mean, I knew how to write for that layout, which is completely different. You know, okay, what what adventure would it be? You know, and I came up with the adventure. I kind of modernized it a little. I didn't modernize it a lot, but I had genuine gay characters in it, which you never 
would have had in uh, in 1955. There's a, a crooner, kind of, I guess, maybe an Elvis Presley type guy, and all the girls are crazy about him, and he's coming to their high school to give a concert. And uh, the first problem is money, because I looked it up, by the way, I looked this up. In 1955, you could see Elvis Presley for a dollar, a dollar. Tickets were a dollar. Um, so I made tickets or a dollar to see this guy. But it's a lot of money in those days. One kid says, "Why well, I could buy 10 comics with a dollar. Comics were 10 cents. So um, Patsy Walker tries to earn the money by, you know, things like washing the dog and mowing the lawn and stuff. And she still can't. Oh, yeah, yeah. So she and Hetty. Oh, I don't want to give away everything. Uh, but they, they both say, okay, I want to invite Buzz. Buzz can't afford the $2 that the tickets would cost to go with one of the girls because he works at Pop Soda Fountain, but all of his money is saved so he can go to medical school after high school. So they'll have to take him. So Hetty says, well, my dad, my father, I'm a rich girl. My father will buy us two front row tickets. But Patsy Walker has to work for it. So after she's done all of that, trying to get the money, she still is like 59 cents short, you know. Uh, but then, then they announce a contest. And if you write a letter stating why you want to, those two front row tickets, and why you want to see this guy, Chad Collins, you can win two front row tickets and have dinner with him before the show. So they both enter the contest. Every girl in Centerville and some of the boys enter that contest. So I'm not going to tell the entire story, but that's the premise. Okay. So Trina's not going to spoil it, but you have to make sure you go pick up and read in the Marvel Unlimited app. Uh, what's the comic called, Trina? Patsy Walker, 1955. Oh, and I have to say something about Derek Charm, who is the artist. He does it so well, he does the 50s perfectly. I sent him their real clothes. Patsy Walker and Hetty and Nancy are wearing real dresses from the 50s. I sent him lots of pictures. And he does them so well. He does just he's an incredible artist. You know, over the years, we've had you on our panels. And now you're writing a Patsy Walker. It's sort of like a full circle. It is full circle. It's kind of amazing. It is. And I'm delighted. I mean, Trina, you're a true woman of marble. Uh, you have been fighting the good fight for so long and you continue to do so. And we're so happy that you're part of this family and that uh, that you started the story of the women who work in comics so long ago. We wouldn't be here without you. Thank you so much, Judy. I always love talking to Trina Robbins. She is so much fun. She has so much history in her brain. And just seeing her love of Patsy was so much fun. I mean, that's the great part, right? Like, folks have so much passion and so much love for that particular character. And honestly, Patsy deserves all the love. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true about, you know, kind of the stories from our childhood and the 
early things that made such an impression on us uh, that we carry that love with us forever. Oh my God, yes. And we're going to continue down the history route and learn all about the evolution of Patsy Walker into Hellcat. And to do that, I spoke with Jackie Nodell. She's a writer, historian, huge comic fan, and runs a blog called Sequential Crush, all about romance comics. And we talk about Patsy Walker from the 1960s. Jackie, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you. You have your own comic history, your own comic lore. Your grandfather created the Golden Age Green Lantern. That is correct. Yes. Um, my grandfather, Martin O'Dell, created uh, the Golden Age Green Lantern in 1940. So I grew up around comic books and I've gone to conventions all my life and just absolutely loved comics. It was just, you know, a part of my family life. Um, and it wasn't until later, more when I became an adult, that I really started to get into the actual stories and the history. You know, so obviously you grew up sort of much more in the superhero comic community, but like, what was it about romance that drew you to want to read them, to study them, to like do much more with them? It was kind of a long journey. But when I was in graduate school, I started to do my thesis on the Holocaust. <laughs> it was just so heavy. I felt really lost because I had planned to do that. And I was thinking about doctoral studies in that. And I just I just couldn't handle it um, emotionally. And so I started looking for a new thesis topic. And funny enough, I was like, yeah, superheroes like me. And so I ended up doing my thesis on monster comics and the Cold War. And so then I really got into like the 50s. And then I started reading romance comics sort of as just like a sideline to working on the monster comics. And I just fell in love and I wanted more information. I was like, who wrote these? Who was drawing these? Literally, it was just like one day, I'm just going to start a blog. I just it was like, I'll call it Sequential Crush. And I really just started and it went from there. For many people, I don't think they even realized that romance comics existed, right? That was a huge part of comic publishing from like the 1930s into the 1960s. And timely, before it was Marvel, they printed a lot of those comics, including Millie the Model and Patsy Walker. Yes. I think people are really shocked when they learn that it was primarily men writing these stories you know it was created by Simon and Kirby and then mostly written by men and drawn by men although there were a lot of women like Irene Vartanoff and how could these things that are meant for teenage girls and young women be written by men it just seems so crazy like what would they know about the experience of young women who are dating you know, I did later find out that, you know, a lot of them had daughters. And um, of course, a lot of them are based on, you know, movies as well and television shows and other popular culture of the time. And I was just amazed at how many artists that we know from superhero comics worked on the romance comics. I mean, they were so ubiquitous that everyone really had a hand 
in them. Yeah. And it's also a period of time where comics didn't make a lot of money. So whatever work you could get, you would draw and you would turn it in and you'd move on to the next work. Exactly. And I think another thing that drew me to romance comics was that after my grandfather did the Green Lantern, he actually worked in the bullpen at Timely. Oh, oh, that's so cool. Yeah. And funny enough, he was actually one of the art directors and artists on the Miss America title, which is the title that Patsy Walker made her debut in. So he I don't think he ever drew Patsy Walker, but he did a lot of um, these like fashion pages and like um, sort of these illustrated advice pages. So that kind of blew my mind that like my grandpa was giving advice to teen girls. (laughs) (laughs) So obviously the Patsy Walker that many people listening today, if they didn't know that she came from romance comics, she's a superhero now, right? She has powers. She's Hellcat. I mean, how did you sort of see... Obviously, she at some point, she evolved into becoming a hero. How did you see her being brought into the Marvel Universe in that way? Well, just as far as her personality goes, and this is just sort of an overarching observation, she gets along with, like, everyone. She speaks really, like, cheesy, even in the more modern, you know, they really kept that, like, oh, golly, and... Um, <laughs> baloney and you know (laughs) that sort of um antiquated mid-century you know how (laughs) we remember her speaking but she really gets along with everyone and I think that is so vital to her joining um you know trying to be a part of the Avengers and the Defenders and that's what makes a great superhero you know working on a team working with others now as far as the sort of the canon and how that happened her story is pretty complicated yeah but they've done a really good job over time of injecting those things about her personality and story into how she became hellcat her first appearance in the marvel universe was briefly in um, Fantastic Four in their annual, number three. And she and Hetty Wolf, her frenemy, attended uh, Sue Storm and Reed Richards' wedding. And so they're there and they're like waving in the panel. <laughs> I can picture it <laughs> so clearly. So as far as the the creator side of it, I think we really have Steve Englehart to thank for bringing Patsy as far as being a writer um, him writing her into sort of the superhero fold he had actually written for romance comics Um, he wrote under a pen name Ann Spencer that's uh, Steve Englehart but he brought her in in Amazing Adventures so Buzz was sent by the Pentagon to go see what all this ruckus was about at brand corporation and all the ruckus was basically beast going off the rails after (laughs) leaving x-men and so she doesn't really do much in that first issue that she appears in in amazing adventures 13 she asks like if there's an officer's wife's club 
so they kind of, you know, you don't really see Hellcat yet, but you do start seeing how Buzz is not very nice to her. Um, he tells her to shut up and he tells her that like catching the beast is is men's work, which is kind of a little foreshadowing because she's the one who ends up finding out Beast's secret about being Hank. She uh, eventually tracks down Beast. One of my favorite lines, Beast says she's a simple small town and he says, even an old fashioned type girl. And it that's really like the writers being like hearkening back to her being, you know, from the 40s. And I just really love that. But in the Avengers um, in 75, Patsy tracks the beast down and asks to shadow them. And Beast says, despite her schoolgirl charm, Pat Walker has grit. And <laughs> so they can really see, um, you know, her potential. When she really becomes Hellcat, she's with Captain America and Iron Man. And they're with Patsy and they go to this like they're still fighting the Squadron Supreme. And they go to, to this like storage warehouse and all of a sudden this costume is there and it is the costume from the cat which had been earlier from Greer Grant Nelson that was her costume so she's like oh I'll put this on like she always wanted to be a superhero as a teenager so she's very excited to find this costume and put it on and there's this great image of her like she's like standing on these crates in the costume and of course it, it fits perfectly and her red hair is just flowing out of the mask and she looks fantastic <laughs> why do you think she went to the defenders instead of the avengers like i feel like in the avengers she would always maybe be a b-level character but in the defenders she sort of can hold her own with you know whoever is in the defenders at the time yes yes and i think one of the things about Patsy is that she's always had these great friendships with other women. And when she goes to the Defenders, um, Valkyrie and a Russian doctor, they immediately welcome her. And so I really think that her history of having those friendships with other women, they were just so welcoming to her. And I mean, that couldn't have hurt as far as joining the Defenders. You know, it's so interesting. I just I've done like a bunch of interviews for the season about female characters that within the Marvel Universe are friendship with other women and they're strong friendships, right? They're real friendships, which is fascinating that men, yes, men wrote this for a long period of time. But like she, you know, obviously she's friends with Monica Rambeau, Felicia Hardy, who's Black Cat, and then uh, Firestar. She has these great female friendships, which definitely ties back to that romance era for her. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's fashion romance friendships. I mean, that's what the romance comics were all about. So I was glad that she carried that through. Um, and she was friends with She-Hulk. And I think she met Linda Carter, the night nurse, uh, at some point. So I can only imagine Patsy Walker, a uh, friend to all. <laughs> Yeah. But then and then going back to like the men, right? The idea of her relationships, you know, she had Buzz 
And then she had Damon Hellstrom. Buzz, he just turned into a jerk. They got divorced. He also tried to stop her wedding to Hellstrom. He became like a supervillain himself, a mad dog. Yeah, she ended up meeting Hellstrom after uh, Dr. Strange summoned him to join the Defenders. They hit it off, I guess. You know, son of Satan, bit of a bad boy. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, this is a very complicated story. This gets very complicated. So I know she's sort of like basically driven mad. You know, we didn't really talk about her mom. That's right. Her mom is very meta in that moment. Yes. I believe it is in the issue that her mom passes away and she's sort of dealing with all that with her death. We find out that all the Patsy Walker comics from years past were actually written by her mother. I don't know. It's such a genius way that they were able to use those and not just ignore them, but bring them in as you know, part of her story. That's canon. Um, yeah. 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 I know at some point her mom was like used to like control her mind and she sees visions of her and that like throws her off. And then she died, but then she, how did she come back to life? She, <laughs> I think the Thunderbolts brought, brought her back. And then at that point, that was when she like does the book tour. Yeah. She writes like an autobiography, but. Yeah, bad taste in men. Although it's interesting now in the the comics that are coming out now is she's got a love interest in Tony Stark. Yeah, which seems kind of weird, but I was kind of thinking about this and it actually kind of makes sense for her to fall for Iron Man. I mean, she had a crush when she was younger on Reed Richards. When she revealed herself as Hellcat when she was standing on those crates um, it says like she like took Iron Man's breath away. <laughs> he like kind of <gasps> had a little gasp. So, I mean, it makes sense. So hopefully that relationship, I don't know what's going to happen um, with that, but hopefully it won't be as ill-fated <laughs> as yeah. her previous relationships. You have researched many romance comics and now, you know, obviously you're diving into this superhero world. Uh, specifically with Patsy, but like, like now that you sort of have seen both sides of this of Patsy Walker, you know, what do you see as a reflection of the time? Right? What is your sort of idea of her now that you've done all this research? I hate to say it, but I just I like simple Patsy Walker from the romance stories. <laughs> I mean, I think it's really cool that she became Hellcat, and I mean, Hellcat's costume is like awesome. The yellow and black, it's so striking. I mean, it totally makes sense that Linda Fight and like Marie Severin, you know, were designing it because it's got like a little bit of like sassiness and sex appeal. But other than being tight, it doesn't really show anything. I mean, I think she's cool as a superhero. I really like the idea of Hellcat. But old Patsy, Patsy Walker will still have a place in my heart. Well, okay. For those listening who want to like find more, where can they find you? Absolutely. Um. So the best way to find me is um at my website, uh, Sequential Crush, and that's just www.sequentialcrush.com. And I have a podcast that is just getting started up, and it's all on my website. Um, just go check out sequentialcrush.com, and there's a little podcast tab. 
that'll take you right to it. And you can find it on Apple Podcasts and any other podcatcher that you may use. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much, Jackie. (laughs) Yes, thank you. You know, I think it's really cool the way Patsy's character has just like where she started and how she has progressed through the decades. And I love that it is a true evolution rather than just, you know, a retcon or an update that, you know, they they rolled in her being a child star kind of into the origins of her eventually becoming a superhero instead of just casting it aside and doing something different with the character. But that brings us up to now. Where romance is again part of uh, Patsy's story and is blossoming in Iron Man number 20. Tony Stark will be proposing to Patsy Walker. I kind of love it, though. Again, if you've been reading Iron Man, like, they're made for each other. She she likes a particular I, type of man. Yeah, I was going to say. I, I mean, I, I didn't know. say it was good that they were made for each other. I yeah. they were made for each other. Yeah, I don't know that I put stock in Tony as marriage material, but, you know, it'll be a good story. And that's I didn't all say we that want, either. Right? That's all we want. Just for the record, we're not vouching for Tony. No. In, any way, shape, or form. I'm sure this will be yet another uh, tragic Patsy Walker love story, but that's what we're here for, the drama. You know what? I would go for one date with Tony. One date. Just one. Oh, He would take me out to an expensive dinner. He'd pick me up in his expensive car. Maybe he'd fly me around. And then I'd be like, nope, I'm going out with Happy. No, no, absolutely not. I'm going out with Happy. I, I, I hear you guys. I'm going out with the sweet friend. Well, make sure you guys are picking up that issue at your local comic book shop. Go pre-order it so you can find out if Hellcat says yes. But also, romance is back in Infinity Comics. And so is a modernized version of 1950s Patsy Walker. Okay, remember Trina Robbins talked about writing a Patsy Walker romance coming out for Infinity Comics? Well... I brought in her editor, Alana Smith, to tell us how Patsy Walker came to be. Alana, I'm so excited to have you come back to the podcast. You've been a multiple episode guest. And today we're talking about something very exciting, something that's sort of like near and dear to me as I sort of research the history of women at Marvel. But before we get into all that, um, for those who maybe don't know who you are, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, my name's Alana Smith. Um, I've been an editor in the Avengers office. Well, it started as an assistant, but I've been uh, in that realm of things for, I think, about seven years now. Um, currently, I am editing most of the books in the Captain America line, so a lot of books with the with the name Captain in the title, and, and various other loosely Avengers-connected books. And I am also uh, editing a bunch of Infinity comics, which is what we're talking about today. I'd love to sort of hear about how did the name Trina Robbins come across your email or how did you find out about her? What made you want to call her up and uh, have her work on this comic? She pitched on the phone to me the idea of doing like a retro Patsy Walker cute romance comic thing, which was good serendipity because I think I had just been told that we could do a bunch of romance comics for the Infinity Comics line. So that's basically how Trina's became the first out of the gate for the the romance comics track. It's so great to sort of have someone like Trina who has this like unique history 
of, you know, obviously she's she, a historian. She's one of the first comic historians that specialized in female cartoonists throughout the years. And she loves Patsy. She so does. Oh, much. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I think it's nice because we've done we've done a lot of things with Patsy in, in recent years, but we haven't really explored that like retro, like, you know, teen comics version of, of Patsy in a long time. It was nice not to have to be like cute about it and be like, oh, we all know this is silly. Like, no, it's like we're we're doing this for real. Like this is a real Patsy teen comic. It's funny and delightful, but it's also the joke isn't that it's retro. It's just a cool Patsy comic. What was the process of sort of like bringing a sort of modern story to a vintage time period? Honestly, I have to give a, a ton, a ton of credit to Trina here. The Infinity Comics format, like writing for it and drawing for it is a very different discipline that a lot of our talent are still getting used to. But Trina just took to it like so quickly and so naturally and and honestly like made my job very, very easy. So can you explain what an Infinity Comic is? Yes. Basically, through our Marvel Unlimited app, there's a series of comics that are produced specifically for Marvel Unlimited, which are vertical scrolling comics, like the same kind you'd see at like Webtoon or Tapas or the various other, you know, a format that's become really, really popular in the past uh, few years for good reason, I think, because they're they're easy to read on the go. They're often, you know, very light and fun or, you know, romantic or they have various different ways to keep you invested and keep you scrolling. So, you know, like there's been really, really amazing work done in that space in general. And, and we're kind of still taking our first steps into it um, and figuring out like what works and what doesn't and what people want to see in this format that you usually like, you know, you read on your phone, you scroll through like, so the art is all structured differently. The scripts have to be structured differently because there aren't pages per se. So there was a lot of logistics in figuring out how that would work. So yeah, and specifically, we're doing a track within the Infinity Comics program that's going to be a series of romance comics. So Trina's comic is is the first one of those. It's Patsy Walker. And we're going to do a bunch more that that basically, you know, you can finish Patsy and scroll into the next one and scroll into the next one and just read a bunch of, of lovely romantic stories, which we don't get to do a lot of here. So I'm very excited about it. Considering it's part of the origin story of Timely Comics and Marvel Comics, mm-hmm. I mean, a huge part of the line in the 40s and the 50s were romance comics. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's great to bring that back to sort of the the Marvel story. Yeah, and I, I think part of it is, you know, it, it's something that there's a perception that it's hard to sell in print format, like that it's hard to sustain comics that are explicitly romance comics. But I think the vertical comic format is so tied to stories about relationships and stories about, you know, love and romance. It feels like the right format and the right genre together. We actually had a lot of success with the the Hulkling and Wiccan four-parter we did a little while ago. That was almost a, a proto-romance track uh, comic. I, I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but because that one was was so, you know, embraced by readers and fans and so supported, that that's a big part of the reason why we're going to be able to do a bunch of romance comics of all, you know, stripes and sorts. So I'm so excited to check it out. I can't <laughs> wait for everyone to check it out. Thank you so much for joining us, Alana. Where can Mm -hmm. people find you on the internet? 
Uh, I'm at Alana Writes on Twitter. Um, honestly, that's really the only place. <laughs> that's all right. I understand that world. <laughs> thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you. So remember, you can catch Trina's new Infinity comic, Patsy Walker, on Marvel Unlimited starting today, right now. Go pick it up. Go read it right now. Um, And I love that Patsy's going to be part of this initiative um, because one of the things we get to do with these Infinity Comics is bring in some of the genres that we don't always have as much time and space for in the regular monthly books and do these other kinds of stories. So I love that we're getting back to romance with Patsy and how she stood the test of time. If you guys are ready for a romance comic comeback, please let us know. You can tweet at us using the hashtag Woman of Marvel or tag us at Anjali Crochet, OMG, DJ Judy, and Ellie Pyle. But before we go, we do want to introduce you to another fabulous, amazing Woman of Marvel in our staff spotlight. My name is Jennifer Grunwald, and I'm the Director of Production and Special Projects here at Marvel. So in my job, I put together collections of comics, and I also manage the design team. I got my start at Marvel back in 2002 as an editorial intern. I became a Marvel fan when I was about 12, and my dad made me watch the X-Men cartoon. I liked the X-Men cartoon because the characters were so different and strange and had really cool powers. Not just all the same, like, you know, I can run fast or whatever. (laughs) Characters like Nightcrawler looked so weird. I was like, wow, that's so cool. (laughs) My favorite Marvel character is Rogue because she is, shoot, I was just going to say badass. Can I say that? (laughs) Okay. My favorite Marvel character is Rogue because she's badass and she has cool hair. I love working at Marvel because I get to work with amazing creative people that love these awesome characters as much as I do. But even though the the front-facing names aren't necessarily female-heavy, there's a lot, I think, behind the scenes, which is really cool. There was a period where I was the only one in editorial, but that didn't last very long, and we've had a lot of women working here um, over years. And I'll be honest, I think probably because of that is how I made more female friends. Like, I was mostly hanging out with guys when I was a kid, and I was young, like, I didn't really have a lot... But it's probably because most of the girls around me didn't like the same stuff as I did. But when you come to Marvel, <laughs> you're like, oh, I was reading something recently where someone was talking about, you know, friends at work are just like they're just acquaintances, they're not friends. And I was like, not here. Like, because I think in, in most places, you're just kind of thrown together from all different places. You may have nothing in common. But here, most people do have stuff in common, which is kind of cool. So it really just comes down to there's a place for everyone here. We have people from all walks of life, but they all love comics and it's great. I've made the best friends at this job and, you know, in the office as well as with the freelancers. Um, I'm lucky enough to be in a position where I get to meet all the people that I've been a fan of. And I've made some like amazing best friends in this, in this job. It's been it's the best part of it for sure. I hope you will all come back next week. Until then, Women of Marvel is produced by Isabel Robertson, Cara McCurk-Allison, Ellie Pyle, me, Judy Stevens, and Anjali Crochet. Our senior manager of audio development is Brad Barton. Our production manager is Larissa Rosen, and our executive producer is Jill DeBoff. Listen weekly on SiriusXM and on Marvel Podcasts Unlimited on Apple Podcasts. Until next week, this is Marvel, your universe. <laughs>